Welcome to the Circle of Birth podcast. I'm your host and advocate, Ali Kranz. These podcasts are here to gather stories, people and information to better our understanding of the wisdom of birth and how we can reclaim our connections to birth from conception and beyond. You will hear stories not only from Australia but from all over the world, bringing together women, partners, midwives, doulas and all the people that have a birth story to share. So jump right in for this next Circle of Birth story. Welcome everyone to episode 37. Um, I've had this book in my shelf that I just love and it's called The Down to Earth Birth Book. So I was really delighted when I asked Jenny Blythe for a chat. We spend over an hour in this episode talking about her birth journeys that saw her having a very fast hospital birth in 1980. Jenny was home in hours. Jenny's story extends to two more home births, her work in birth and her publications, books and DVDs. Jenny talks about her 40 years experience and how by picking up a copy of Ina May's Spiritual Midwifery in 1980 may have changed her life. Enjoy this episode. Uh, Hi Jenny, thank you so much for joining us on the Circle of Birth podcast. I absolutely appreciate your time this morning. It's eight o'clock in the morning and you're up in the beautiful, gorgeous Fraser Coast of Australia. Um, So welcome to the show. Hi Ali, thank you. Yes, it is beautiful up here this morning. I'm looking out at a gorgeous sunny morning with blue skies and kangaroos jumping about on the lawn. It's absolutely beautiful. So you're the author of quite a few publications and one that I've got in my hand at the moment is the Down to Earth Birth book. That picture there of that woman is just so serene. Is that the sort of environment that you're in up in the Fraser Coast? Um, Well, the Fraser Coast is a little bit more open country, but, um, yeah, there's there's aspects of the, the artwork on the cover of that book that actually resonate with or reflect my environment here not so much the rainforesty bit but the the other bit with the the um the pumpkins and the mm, <laughs> poor trees yeah. and the kangaroos and that kind of thing yeah that's that's yeah. definitely and the, the the guy who did the cover actually wonderful artist called kennedy i knew what i wanted on the cover and it wasn't necessarily about here but um i wanted some fruits and vegetables and um, you know, definitely a kind of natural scene. And he said, well, I'm going to come up to your place and have a look. And so he came up just to kind of get a feel of where I was coming from and, and kind of after that went, right, okay, I know what to do now. Mm-hmm. So um, he was kind of responsible for weaving in, you know, aspects of where I live into the cover, which yeah, was lovely. just beautiful. Yeah. And that's your original natural habitat is it did you always live out that way I've always lived in Queensland and not lived in the city I think I spent maybe a year and a half in the city when I was very young grade one grade part of grade one and grade two but apart from that I've always lived yeah rurally I'm not a city dweller so many people would know of you already and I would love to go back to how you became to be an author, a producer of some beautiful DVDs and the work that you do with birth and women care. So can mm-hmm. we head back 30 years ago? And sure can. you can tell us a bit of a story about how that came about. Yeah, well, it's actually now over 37 years ago. That oh, right, because this book, yeah. I was, yeah, I was pregnant with my first daughter and we were actually living where we are now and we were um, pretty much pioneering. We found this beautiful... Uh, bush block and we moved into a tent and started building a house out of the materials that were on the land some rock and some timber and um we you know we just loved i mean we'd, we'd both been brought up with you know not huge amounts of luxury so it wasn't it wasn't a difficult thing for us to do though i did get a bit cranky i must admit by the end of the pregnancy <laughs> i was just like when is the house going to be finished i really want to move in but anyway we did move in about three weeks before my daughter was born and um she wasn't born here but when i became pregnant i was just really kind of confused about this idea of going into hospital and I had been into hospital before just once or twice for very minor things but 
it just felt really strange to me, that idea that women go to hospital to have their babies. I mean, it's a strange idea for lots of people. But um, I started kind of asking around. And in those days, you know, home birth was a pretty new concept on the Sunshine Coast as well. But people had been having their babies at home. And and my stepmother actually had a little bit of information for me about a doctor who'd been attending some home births. And she was also um, about to have the first ever home birth meeting of the Sunshine Coast at her place, which was going to be attended by a couple of women who just happened to have their babies really fast, you know, at home. So that, And they thought it was a pretty good thing. So it was all happening. So I was steered in the right direction. And I remember the first appointment with this friendly doctor who wasn't going to be attending any home births anymore because his wife wasn't really impressed with the hours that he was keeping. Um, but he was very, very, um, you know, empathetic towards my vision of what I wanted for my birth. But anyway, the very first meeting I had with him, I was in the health food shop across the road and a copy of Spiritual Midwifery was on the shelf, which is pretty amazing because that was 1979. Mm-hmm. And um, it had only been out for a couple of years, I think, the first edition. And it sort of pretty much fell into my hands and I just bought it on the spot. And that was absolutely amazing for me. I mean, so many people have got amazing stories about that book. Yeah, anyway, it, it's I, still to this day, it's just amazing. I, I know, you it, know. Yeah, yeah. It's just got this really amazing kind of, it's like an entity unto itself with its own consciousness. Mm-hmm. So and, that was no um, coincidence then that that fell into your lap? <laughs> no, no, but I, I feel, you know, I, I was just saying to my son yesterday, I feel like from the time I've been able to appreciate it, I just keep pinching myself over my life, you know. I'm very fortunate I have a very blessed life and and um yeah it's it's an amazing amazing experience being on the planet really Mm. and I think when you feel really blessed you know and fortunate in life and don't come from a lot of heavy trauma that um there's a real capacity to want to give back you know to others Mm. want to talk too heavily about you know you have a responsibility to do that but I think yeah, just in your heart you have a capacity for that because you have that incredible appreciation of life. Mm. Yeah, anyway, um, I planned to have a home birth with at my father and his stepmother's house, which which had a phone and was, you know, much closer to the local hospital. We didn't have a phone at that point and we were probably 50 minutes drive away from our local hospital. So I just kind of erred on the side of sensibility. And um, anyway, it didn't turn out to be a home birth because my daughter decided to come before Christmas instead of after after Christmas. So the naturopath who was going to be attending us and my father and his wife were all away and we couldn't get them. There were no mobile phones in those days or anything. So we sort of hung out at a friend's place for a while and everything was fine. But in the end, we rang my doctor. And in those days, your GP could just come into hospital and and, um, be with you when you birthed. And that doesn't happen anymore. So, you know, once again, that was really great. So we just kind of got into hospital. I birthed my daughter, very straightforward birth, two hours later. Straightforward, but absolutely mind-blowingly amazing, of course, as every first birth is. And then left pretty much straight away and went home because I just had a lot of confidence in my capacity to be able to look after my daughter and, and because my doctor was so relaxed and said, you know, you're going to be fine and you can just call me if you have any problems. So um, we pretty much left within a couple of hours after the birth. So the next... So just going back, that would that... Because the norm then would have been to stay in the hospital for a week or so. Um, Yeah, well, at least a few days, four days days or something, yeah. yeah. So there was no pressure from anyone for you to stay? No, well, I mean, it's a big hospital now on the Sunshine Coast. It was Nambour, but... um, in those days, it wasn't so busy, but there were a lot of alternative people in the area that, you know, kind of were quite strong-minded. So I don't think it was like a new experience for them to have somebody say, oh, can I go home? And I remember thinking, I, I said to my doctor, you know, can can Warren stay with me? And he said, no, not really. You know, like if, if you stay, he, he needs to go home. And I said, well, that feels a bit strange to me and I feel pretty good. So how about I go? And he said, yeah, well, there's no one can stop you from going. That's fine. And so because he was so relaxed about it, it was, you know, I felt 
pretty comfortable with it too. And I remember Warren wheeling me in a wheelchair out to the car and, and the one midwife, the dear midwife who'd attended us as well, kind of running after us saying, now, don't forget this and don't forget that. <laughs> you know, she was a little bit concerned, but... Yeah, we were we were totally fine. It was it was great. No, nothing heavy going on. I, I think because it was the middle of the night too, and there was really no one around. You know, there was not much in terms of paediatricians available to say we've got to check the baby before you go or anything like that. It was much more low key than it is these days, for sure. And so the labour, how long did it actually go for? Well, from the very first signs, it was quite long. It was about 30 hours, but um, I was perfectly okay, you know, for the first 28 before we went into into hospital. As soon as we decided to go in, it really cranked up and I kind of was really aware of, oh, okay, this is, this is it, this is what it really feels like. So it was really only the last, you know, three or four hours that I would have um, termed really kind of quite hard active labour. The rest of it, I was just kind of sitting around and breathing through the through the contractions. It wasn't really that difficult. So on a emotional level, um, did you mm. draw a lot of inspiration from the stories in spiritual midwifery? Um, being that fresh face, not knowing what to expect, but knowing that there's an emotional feeling coming up. How how was that for you? That transition from maiden to motherhood. Yeah, it was it was it was amazing. I mean, Warren and I were just really in love as well, and I think that really helps. You know, I mean, not everybody has that luxury, but we were really looking forward to being parents and having a baby. But yeah, the book made a really strong impression on me. But I remember afterwards just thinking. You know, what do they call the contractions? Rushes? <laughs> no, what do they call them? Rushes? Rushes. And I'm kind of like, fucking rushes. You know, <laughs> they're not rushes. They really hurt. <laughs> I felt a little bit ripped off that I wasn't informed. But, I mean, I still have women say that to me because I do a lot of birth preparation with people these days. And I'm very clear with them about, you know, this will be the most intensely uncomfortable body experience you've had <laughs> probably in your life. <laughs> Um, you know, and and they all and they always say to me. Uh, first time mothers always say to me after the birth, "Why didn't you tell me it was that?" Yeah. <laughs> I said I did. You know, I did. No, and you're sitting no there words. saying that you want to have this like you know serene hypnobirthing experience and whatever. You know, and I just go look. You know, that's that's great. You know, some women get the serene experience, but most of them don't. And um, and then they'd look at me and they go, "Yeah, but you just tell us." all that with such confidence, you know, and so it's really easy. <laughs> yeah, but anyway, because it was such a really intense body experience and then such a wow kind of, really it was a psychedelic experience after the birth. You know, I remember looking at my daughter's cord as she was born and just seeing the colours of it and thinking they were just so iridescent and, you know, luminous, and I thought, oh, right, so that's what the psychedelic thing's about. It's like all that heightened sensitivity and everything is really... It's it's, it's like a, it kind of opens you, not just your heart, but your whole energy field so that you feel this incredible connection with everything, like with connection with being and connection with, with the universe, really, which is kind of understandable because what are we here for but to, you know, really be in our animal and breed like every other animal (laughs) but you know we have the luxury of of being able to kind of objectify our experiences I suppose and kind of look at them and go wow is that really what what it is to be human and and for me the spiritual aspect of birth was really about that thing of dropping in into the animal and being incredibly primal and incredibly instinctive and touching in on that you know and it's kind of another whole realm that we don't tend to dip into except for those kinds of experiences yeah you're exactly yeah. right that animalistic behavior or even just that spiritualness of birth science can't document it or trace it or track it or put numbers behind it mm. there's not that much emphasis around it but you know, it's it's like death and that moment just after birth. And mm. my father died not, you know, last few weeks. And mm. I really related that feeling of finding out of his death to 
just giving birth, that real, like you described, that really heightened sense of awareness. It's an altered state, yeah. It's incredible, isn't it? And I really, yeah, and I I appreciate what you're saying because my father passed away too a couple of months ago and, and, um, yeah, that as soon as you hear it, it's like you drop into this altered state. Yeah. And you think, what's that about? You know, where does that come from? And, uh, you know, we don't really know, but my sense is it's just to do with that, that thing that we're actually quite deeply connected, you know, especially with the people that we've we've come from or we've spent time with and there's this kind of, you know, unravelling process or connecting process or whatever mm. that happens. Yeah, it's yeah. quite profound yeah. it is how pretty, far yeah. it travels. After the birth, um, yes. so you became parents and went home very quickly. Yes. Um, tell us how it went from there, the journey. Yeah, well, um, I had... I came from a bit of a um, a nerdy background, even though it was only because I could do it. It was I'm, I'm actually my my bent is more creative, but because I could do sciences, I did sciences in high school, and then I went on to study physiotherapy at, at university. But I didn't stick at it because I couldn't handle living in the city. Um, but when I was just before I got pregnant with my daughter, I did a pretty comprehensive massage and uh, body manipulations training. So I kind of already had this interest in anatomy and bodies and body work and that kind of thing. So after I had my daughter, I was kind of just pretty blown away by how special and transformative the whole experience was. And I just felt like people didn't really talk about that very much. You know, but it's not like I was surrounded by a whole bunch of new parents either, but um, there really wasn't that much... I don't know, just not much obvious <laughs> awareness of that if you didn't actually have children yet. And where we lived, it we had freehold land, but there just happened to be a whole bunch of people moving around us and also some friends that moved onto our land. And so we were all kind of building houses and having babies. And I just got really kind of keen to drop around to my friends who were pregnant with their first babies and kind of say to them, you know, like, it's a really amazing experience, <laughs> you know. Like, are you, you know, what what are your what are your plans? And I wasn't trying to talk them into anything. I was just trying to give them some, I don't know, acknowledgement about the fact they're coming up to something really absolutely incredible, and also to just support them in a body sense because it had been a really big body experience. And um, so I just started kind of hanging out with them and giving them massages and talking to them about what they planned to do and letting them know kind of a bit about what it was like without throwing my experience in their face too much. And also my dear friend who moved onto the block, she'd had one child already, but um, she went on to have five more and uh, three of those were kind of in between my next two. So... um, she planned to have her babies at home and the second one was I was I was her second baby which was my first experience of being at someone else's birth was at home and um there was a midwife there and I was there and then and that was all really fantastic and then I had another child and had him at home but once again I was down at a friend's place um, because we still didn't have the phone on. And then after that one, my friend had another baby and the midwife never made it, so it was just her and I. And then I had another one back here at home and and then she had another two on this block of land as well and it was just her and I. So within a few years, we kind of, between us, we had all these normal, very normal experiences of birth and um, that was kind of my grounding. It was like, okay, I know what normal birth is like now and I know what women go through when it's really quite straightforward. And at her last birth, her sixth baby, there was a um, a midwife in the area who was longing to experience a home birth and she'd grown up very much in the country and but had been working in a big hospital in Sydney and 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 she said to my friend, you know, can I come along and just see what you do? Because by this time my friend realised she didn't actually need a midwife, she just needed to, to birth and she wasn't going to go anywhere and, and I was there and we kind of knew what to do together. 
anyway, this midwife friend came along and um, was just totally blown away. And she said to both of us, I've never seen anybody do what you two did at birth. And we kind of looked at each other and went, well, what do you mean by that? Because we feel like, you know, we didn't do anything unusual. I was just rubbing her back and making her cups of tea and cleaning up after her and tucking her up in bed and making sure she felt really special and loved and cared for and 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 that's what she'd meant because where she came from working in a big city hospital that wasn't what was important in birth what was important in birth was you know making sure that you took women's blood pressures and fetal heart rates and um gave them their routine interventions to, you know, ensure that everything was going to be kind of fine. So she was really blown away by that anyway. So my friend stopped having births, but after that it was, um, I tagged along with this midwife as her offsider because she was um, enamoured of home birth and wanted to put it out there. So I got some experience being her assistant for a couple of years until she decided that she needed to go back and earn some money in hospital. Just word of mouth for me to be actually helping parents with preparation and being a support person at their births. Right. Yeah. And so you tended to apprentice with her. And was she still registered, like, earning yeah. money doing home births? Or was she just doing Yeah, yeah. For, but, okay. I mean, the reason that she left and went back to the city was because there was not really any money any in it. Any money in it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. yeah. when, when are we looking now in the... L- Late 80s? No, yeah, yeah. Um, Yep, mid-80s. Mid-80s, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So home birth midwives still probably weren't that much um, talked about in Australia or it wasn't much No, but there were... No, but there were a few around, like a couple of um, midwives in Sydney who were quite well-known and well-renowned, probably just, you know, having been in, in the... The, mid, the home birth scene for a few years, but yeah, yeah I um, so and there was also a small group in Brisbane that were doing a really wonderful thing called the Home Midwifery Association, where they would anybody could go along, and they were trying to establish kind of an alternative paradigm to the um, to midwifery education. Yeah, so I was kind of connecting up with groups that were interested in home birth and. In the meantime, just um, having really wonderful experiences of lots of just very normal births with normal breastfeedings and no complications. And, yeah, it was a very good grounding for me. So from that, and because I think I've just been, I've always been here since then, um, people just kind of got to know that I was here. So I, you know, my main focus has always been birth preparation and do a lot of that with people. Yeah. So can we just talk a little bit about your second birth at home yeah um, yeah and that decision was a bit of a no-brainer I assume for you guys and yeah I I had that feeling after my first birth even though in the end I, I kind of needed to go into hospital to get help just because the people whose house we were staying at didn't feel okay about me birthing in their house <laughs> <laughs> otherwise I was kind of quite fine to just go along with with it but um <laughs> Um, after it, even though it was like, you know, so incredibly in, intense that last few hours, it was like, oh, okay, I, I know what to do now and I think I can do it even better next time. Like I can really get my head around it. But having said that, I think the second baby, preparing for the second baby, it's such a huge psyching up process, you know, like because you know what it is that you've got to go through. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. and um, yeah, so definitely much more of a psyching up process but absolutely I went two weeks over with my second baby and it was in the middle of winter and I was so cranky and but you know as my firstborn son is he gets a little bit um, anxious about new things that he has to do and then when he does them he just does them exquisitely beautifully so he yeah he came in in the warmest part of a really cold winter's day in my friend's house and I had three men at that birth so um, that was interesting, <laughs> and I felt completely comfortable with that. It was a very, very beautiful um, birth experience, and 
yeah, I've never I've never kind of had this thing about men being at birth. You know, there's some people that have this, this thing about it's women's business, and I appreciate that if that's part of somebody's culture. But I um <clears throat> I had a really wonderful experience with three men at my birth, so mm. I'm okay about that. Because that would have been three men that would have been in absolute awe of you. And then yeah. like feminine and as a woman and yeah. 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 And they were very helpful too, you know, <laughs> really kind and helpful. Yeah. And um so when it came to our third baby, we decided to have our baby here. And yeah, I I just have always been someone who didn't want a lot of people around at birth. So even though my dear friend whose birth I was at was around, I just really felt fine that it was just going to be us and the children which it was and I my five-year-old daughter held the torch as I birthed um my third born son Dion and my first son who was four years old he woke up and he was actually crashed out right next to my legs on the bed so as I was birthing (laughs) as I was birthing Dion I shook him and said you know do you want to have a look at your brother being born and he just kind of woke up and looked between my legs and just went, nah, and went back to sleep <laughs> And then for days after, my daughter would reenact to everybody for weeks after, you know, the sounds and the looks on my face that I made when I was pushing him out, wow. which was quite cute. Does she still, to this day, remember a lot of that birth? Yeah, I think she remembers, I think she remembers the actual, you know, scene of, of him coming out. Yeah. Yeah. And she have children, yeah? Yes, she That's has had two babies. I have two grandchildren now and she's had both of her children at home with with um me helping her. So do you think her um because I've always wondered about this when they grow up being at that birth for your son holding the torch and seeing, you know, everything that went on, do you think that helped shape her ideal of what birth looks like in a normal sense? Oh, absolutely. And because she grew up around lots of women with young babies and, you know, pregnant women and because I would sometimes have little gatherings here of pregnant women and, and of course, some of the women that I worked with were in her neighbourhood and some of the the women that I worked with were also... um, became really good friends, you know, over over the years because sometimes they'd have two or three or four babies, you know, at, at home and I'd be helping out and, um, you know, so, so we'd just become really good friends. So the kids all grew up with lots of people and babies around, which was wonderful for them. Mm. So I think that made a really strong impression and my daughter actually helped a very close friend of hers give birth in hospital when when my daughter was 18 and my and her friend was 19 and um <laughs> and my daughter afterwards said to me oh i can't believe how much i absorbed from from over all those years like the midwives are coming in and going oh you know do you think you'd like some pethidine now and i'd say things like can't you see she's just going through transition <laughs> <laughs> and her friend had been studying homeopathy, so they had all their little homeopathic remedies and they were onto it. And yeah. wow. <laughs> The staff were just so totally blown away by, you know, how they were with each other yeah. in the hospital, these two young women. Yeah, I, I guess growing up, though, with you around and she was just that sort of, yeah, absorbing everything as a child does. So Yeah, and wow. she's like that, you know. Yeah. She's, she's a really wonderful human, my daughter, and she's very... Um, organised and very much a busybody, and she would be constantly poring over, you know, photos and names of people that I was working with, and you know, remember people, and yeah, she she was yeah quite amazing like that. I want to do that for herself. She didn't ever want to get into birth education herself, but you know, it's like it's just because it was all kind of natural for her anyway. It wasn't a particular kind of realm that you get into. It's just part of life. Yeah. So how was it for you being mum and then transitioning mm. into grandmother and being at your daughter's birth? What did that look like? Oh, it was it was absolutely incredible. Um, I think the thing that just was the most deeply emotional 
aspects or two two most deeply emotional aspects were seeing my daughter um, grow a belly. You know, it just makes me feel really emotional now just talking about it because it's just such a beautiful transformation. And of course, you know, pregnant women always look absolutely gorgeous. But when you see a little girl, you know, having grown up and becoming a mother herself and that changing shape of the body just really, really affected me. It affected me more than being at a birth. And I think because being at a birth, I was just, um, had had quite so much experience being at birth that I just kind of went into that automatic mode of how to help somebody through that without kind of feeling like, oh my God, this is my daughter and how... I mean, it might have felt like that if it had been going on for a long time, but it was very straightforward, very powerful, very strong. And um, it was all okay. And, but I think, you know, the, the next emotional point for me was that I, I, stay, I was staying with her for some quite some days before the birth and then stayed with her for, for at least a week after the birth and then went away. And then when I came back and she was standing on the veranda with the baby in her arms, mm. you know, that was that was the next really big emotional point for me it was kind of once I distanced myself and then come back it was just yeah really really powerful and I'm sure that every grandmother goes through that so yeah it was more about that than than about being at the birth so I felt so incredibly honoured you know to be invited to be at her birth because when she was when she was growing up and and you know I used to say to her, if you ever have children, if you decide that, you know, you don't want me there for whatever reason, whatever reason that is, whether it's just, you know, you prefer to have somebody else or it's just going to be too intense having your mama around or whatever. And she'd just look at me and go, don't be ridiculous, mum, of course I want you there. (laughs) (laughs) And so um, when she did become pregnant, I I said the same thing to her and she said, no, 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 mum, I want you to take us through all the same um, body preparation that you you would take anybody through. We we just want to get into it and do it. Uh, yeah, I mean, so that was that's in your near forty years of work. That's probably that moment. Um, like we talk oh. about the lineage and the primal nature of everything. It's just all yeah. compounded into that one moment. Seeing her there holding that little baby, it just oh, yeah, that's yeah. beautiful. Mm. And I kind of had this vision. Uh, a few months ago about, um, you, know, you know, those little Russian babushka dolls where yeah. one comes out of the other and I kind of had this, this sudden vision of like, you know, grandmothers who birth your mother and then your mother births you and then you birth your children. Like, an, especially if it's a daughter thing, it's almost like the Russian dolls coming out of the vagina. Do you know what I mean? Like one after the other. It's kind of an awesome concept, that thing, if we just keep, Birthing, yeah, you know our our daughters to for them to keep birthing. Yeah, it sounds a bit obtuse, I know, but um, no, not at all. I'm just trying to visualise it. Actually, powerful. it's like the great mother, you know. The yeah, the great one, mother, the great mother, and it just goes on and on and on and on. It and goes on. on and on and on. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's beautiful to think. I, you know, I often think in my ancestral line, and you know, not that I've seen the faces of my great-grandmother or my great, you know, but I just think mm. think along and I just feel this, like, warmth in my body when I think of all of them mm. that have, you know, birthed in my lineage and have held that space, you know, that always yes. blows my mind when I think, like, the eggs in my body or my daughter's body were already... So, you, you know, <laughs> I can't explain it properly, but you know how, yeah. like, when they're forming in your, in your, in your womb... The yeah. eggs have already formed, and then you're like, it's there. The imprint's already there of the next generation. In That's right. Me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's it, very wild. Yeah, yeah. Wow. So um, let's maybe talk about then, sort of backtrack again, back to when you're, mm. you're doing your birth work and women care, and how you got into writing this gorgeous book, Down to Earth mm-hmm. Birth Book, which I just love. So much. <laughs> um, 
one of the other one things the other. too that I like the illustrations and pictures and just the even the font like the font is so it's soft warm, isn't it yeah it's soft yeah <laughs> how did you get into all this <laughs> um well because I've pretty much worked on my own a lot um you know and because I was actually not doing clinical stuff you know like I'm not I was just being a birth educator and support person and very aware of, of my boundaries around what's kind of legally appropriate for that. Um, and because it's just my natural inclination, I'd always pursued alternative ways of, of working and keeping healthy and, keep you know, helping keep women healthy. And, um, yeah, and... So, you know, I, I really kind of threw myself into the work, but I realised after a while that it's pretty intense. And you talk to anybody who works with, with birth, um, pregnant women, birthing women or whatever, there's there's a lot goes on and, and it's quite demanding and it's also quite seductive in its energy. So it's very easy to kind of go, oh, just, you know, bring it on. I really want to get a lot more experience with this whole field. It's just such a huge field. Um but it's very easy to kind of burn out, <laughs> for yeah. want of a better word. And I realised at some point that managing my own energy was a real priority and that I needed to kind of understand more about that. So I was get, I was actually, you know, studying different things here and there that I thought would support my work, Um but at some point in the 90s, I I dropped into a studying um, a somatics because I was still doing I was still doing a lot of body work for women, and that's quite energetically consuming, as you know. Like pregnant women could be massaged 24 hours a day, and still wouldn't be enough. You know? <laughs> and trying to understand that process post birth, and um, yeah, so I got into somatic psychotherapy training, which just turned my whole um, kind of orientation around about uh, the dynamics of giving and receiving and how to actually be able to work with women in a way where less becomes more and not to be going really hard, which you don't need to with pregnant women anyway. So it was kind of a whole philosophical approach and it really doing that really reinforced um, the the kind of studies in Buddhist psychology and um, philosophy that I also was kind of resonating with. Um, and I wrote I wrote another book before the Down to Earth Birth book called Birth Work, A Compassionate Guide to Being with Birth, because I had faced those challenges. And once again, they were things that I'd never seen anybody talk about or write about or discuss around, um, you know, childbearing and birth. It was always seen to be the discussions would always get caught up in politics instead. So I basically wanted to just download what had been really important for me. And um, so I set about writing that book, which has got a lot of strategies in it, but it's also quite philosophical. I think the thing, one of the other things that had really impressed me was that it, whenever I went to birth or, edu or childbirth education conferences, there was so much anger like everybody was just sitting around looking really exhausted and angry and um you know pissed off with this and pissed off with that and I was actually having a really amazing life you know and quite quite enjoying what I was doing apart from getting a little bit tired and um and I thought I I, I really you know I've really got to somehow contribute to helping people who are working with birth um find a way to have more contentment and satisfaction within their jobs. So I wrote Birth Work as a response to my own search for um, somehow being able to gather or and maintain some sort of equanimity, but also to help other people do that because for me personally, it was the small changes I made in myself that enabled me to do my job better and I you know, as as happens with everybody who has an experience like that, you want to be able to 
share it with other people and hopefully there will be people that will take some of that on board and and um, find a bit more satisfaction in their chosen roles because who wants like a really pissed off, angry political person attending their birth anyway, you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Helpful. Yeah. yeah. And so everything flowed quite easily in in sort of producing this work. Yeah, well, I just yeah. I knew that I wanted to self-publish because um, I had friends who'd published books and, you know, it was really difficult in terms of the whole promotion game. And I didn't actually even want to write it as something that I thought was going to be doing really well. I just wanted to download my stuff and kind of encapsulate it and have it there. Like, I'll actually go and open that book and go, oh, wow, did I write that? You know, like, <laughs> that's quite good advice, really, <laughs> or a good little, you know, expose on, on trauma or working with projection or whatever. And I, I feel really happy that I did that. And that was kind of part of the reason that I did that. And I didn't for a moment think that I would necessarily even finish it or that it would be well appreciated when it was out. So um, that was a big surprise. And I just did a small print run to start with and I paid for it myself. And yeah, I didn't then didn't have to feel the pressure of, you know, lots of promoting to get my money back because I'd saved the money to have a small publish. And um, yeah, and I didn't have to be caught up in other publishing firms and the way that they run things. And because it was such a a niche book for a niche market. I knew that if I had regular publishers try and edit it, they just wouldn't kind of get it. So I, I had a private editor who was very good and, um, yeah, it, it all kind of went well. And the second book, the Down to Earth Birth book, was really, I, I, I left that, I knew that I was going to do that, but it was just going to be putting all the handouts that I'd, I'd created and collected over the years into a book because I was getting so sick of going to the photocopiers or printing out at home, you know, like I'd be printing out the equivalent of that, you know, 20 times a year and then other people asking could they have copies and I'd have to kind of collate it and put it all together. So there was that thing in my mind of, no, I've just got to put it into a booklet or a book or something like that. But because the first book was um, received so well, I felt like I had to do a really good job of the second book. Mm. So I I did expand on it a little bit and just, um, yeah, felt like I did a, a better job of it than I would have if I had just been collating my handouts together and hadn't done the first book already. Yeah. 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 And... In terms of, I'll just ask this now because it makes me curious a lot. Where's the best place to buy your books? Because <laughs> it's so hard sometimes when you're trying to find really good books such as yours. Yeah, um, the best place to buy it through is is through my website, which is birthwork.com, okay. and that's birthwork um, just with a K on the end. It's no S. It's just birthwork.com. And you um, can still buy birthwork through there. The, that book. You can, though. Um, you can buy it as a, as a PDF download. Oh, I don't have very many hard copies left. I've got um, a handful of hard copies left, but once they're gone, I'm, I may reprint, but um, I haven't got myself organised to do that yet. Mm, yeah, excellent. Yeah. Excellent. Okay. Um, and the DVDs, too. There's... Um, what are they called again? It's the Big Stretch. Um, the Big Stretch and, and the Big, big Stretch sequel. Amazing. Yeah. yeah, DVDs too. And you can obviously buy them from your website too. Yes, and yeah. you can also buy them, like stream them or download them um, from another website I'm involved with called worldbirthhub.com. Okay. Yep. And um, uh, there are also movies there by um, two other women who we, we are collectively the hub in terms of the filmmakers on the hub, but one is a lovely Israeli woman called Miri who's made two films on um, home birth and a friend from the States called Diana Paul who's made several movies. And so we've just put our movies onto that um, site for downloads and rentals. Yeah, I'll be sure to link that in the show notes. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Um, And to your website as well. Okay. Yeah. So and then, the, you know, it was the same with this. I'm sorry, I'll just butt in. Yeah, yeah, the, film, the films that I made were also a completely non-ambitious kind of project. There was a lovely young filmmaker um, who approached me. She moved up from Brisbane and um, she'd had a really amazing experience with her birth and she just approached me and said, do you want to make a film about natural birth? And I just went, yes. 
And so we just had this, and she's 20 years younger than me, we just had this divine collaboration for some years um, producing and editing these two films. So it wasn't like we had to go, we're going to make a birth film and we need $300,000 or whatever. We just spent time together and we just had this amazing experience doing it and we just kept pinching ourselves and, and, and at the same time we were just having such a great time doing it we didn't think for a minute that the films would necessarily go really well we just knew we felt really good about them and we thought oh maybe we'll get a bit of a cult following or something but yeah they were they were really well received and I think you know part of it is just the feeling in them they're just made with a lot of love and um yeah and I, and also with a focus more on the things that are really affecting women when they're going through pregnancy and birth and beyond and, you know, getting beyond the the politics and not that the politics aren't important, but to just really drop back into that thing of this is what birth really is for most people. Yeah. And, and the issues that come up, yeah. And you found the women, I mean, you know, this, the, just looking at the journeys in the DVDs of those families, um, were they easy to come into this and have those intimate moments shared? Yeah, yes, yeah. because I was working with most of them and some of them I already had some photos and footage, so the first film's kind of a bit more montage and then um, the second one, by that time we were kind of on a bit of a roll and I was actually uh, following up with subsequent births from the first DVD and they were really into it and I think it was really special to be really knowing them and understanding their processes and what they're going through and they you know because of the way they share their information about birth you can see that they're really opening up very easily and it was it's because they're opening up to me and that already opened up to me whereas I think if it had been somebody who didn't really know them through that time it would have been a really different sharing they would have had yeah, that's a yeah so I was very, yeah. very yeah. fortunate in that way. And we didn't bring in any other, you know, photographers or anything like that. We just did everything ourselves. Mm. Yeah. It just, I keep going back to that moment of you being pregnant and finding that copy of Spiritual Midwifery. Yes, and yeah. I just feel like this whole conversation, it's been, you've just channeled in all this beautiful energetic birth and women care and it's just been this gorgeous ride of your births and your journeys and just surrounding that into the people that you've supported and then the mm. books and the DVDs it's like you said it's this openness that has come from you through to share with you know a greater community which is such a beautiful gift I think to to share with people. yeah thank yeah. you yeah 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 and it's kind of like almost a bit of a like hopefully Hopefully the books and the films are kind of timeless, but um, it's also an encapsulation of this time, you know, like this last 30, 40 years around birth and, and what's possible and mm. and how that was for a particular community here in Australia. And I think that's a really lovely thing to kind of preserve as well. Mm, yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. So how do you feel just in general sense, you know, from the past near 40 years you, you do you tend to you know stay away from obviously the politics of birth and just channeling all that energy and the work that you're doing um do mm. you ever get some days where you're just like oh you know get really down on the system and what's happening to women and you know that type of thing or you, you know you've seen probably yeah I get shift. really yeah I get um really surprised and kind of confused about what's happening in the system because a lot of it doesn't really make sense to me you know the fact that I think I'm going down this sort of stream of accessing really incredible information about women's bodies and and understanding more and more and that's sort of like my big tangent these days is really understanding pelvic health and well-being and how to get women to really um, uh, self-care and be really aware of what's going on and be really well informed and to try and refine all that information and present it really, really simply to women so they just go, oh yeah, sure, that makes really good sense, you know, of course we can do that. Um, that's my stream, so I don't necessarily 
you know, get caught up in all the political stuff. But at the same time, birth is quite political by nature. And I am surprised by some of the trends that come through. And um, even when I'm sometimes supporting somebody um, in hospital, which doesn't happen very often, it's every few years, I notice that suddenly there's some sort of new trend happening that wasn't there three years ago and I can't even make sense of it because to me it doesn't really relate to anything important. <laughs> People seem to think it's very important. I think um, what's hard for a lot of women planning to birth within the system is that they they aren't really aware of the fact that even for a, a straightforward vaginal delivery there are a lot of routine interventions that are just considered very routine and normal for birth, but they are still interventions and that they're not really necessary most of the time. And occasionally they are necessary, but um, they can be more trouble than they're worth. And also the whole epidural thing has kind of gotten a bit, a bit out of control as well. And once again, I think women aren't really informed about... Um, how, you know, what a big deal it is to actually have an epidural and that there are a whole bunch of other things that go with having an epidural. Like epidurals can be amazing when women really, really need them. I've seen them be absolutely fantastic, but just to have it because you're worried about dealing with the pain of labour or, you know, you got scared or you weren't, you weren't well prepared for your birth, you know, sort of psychologically or... <laughs> physically um it's it's not a good reason to put yourself through that so women just think oh yeah, they can have an epidural and everything's kind of going to be okay but there's a whole bunch of stuff that goes with it like extra cannulation and um you know not being able to be mobile and the fact that the baby's and mum's temperatures usually go up a little bit so then there's everybody gets put on antibiotics after the birth out of the, the worry about that that it could be something else um yeah, and maybe not everybody gets put on antibiotics. It's very common because nobody wants to wait and see whether it's actually an infection or just a side effect of of the epidural. And then, you know, with the C-sections as well, there's a lot of things that aren't discussed. So what will be discussed for an elective C-section or an emergency C-section are the things that may happen during that surgical procedure. But no one's really aware of the the hazards of just having surgical birth as it affects the rest of the pelvis and <clears throat> abdomen so um, I think if women were more aware of those aspects then they might be a little bit more motivated to do more preparation and I think that's the other thing like the system will generally within the system there are some antenatal classes presented at some hospitals but there's not really a lot of um, incentive for women to get highly motivated to prepare themselves well for birth because, you know, everybody's kind of fed this um, line about, you know, it's safer to have your baby in hospital and hospital's the best place to have your baby and we'll look after you in hospital and... You know, you need to be there in case of emergencies or whatever. So everybody just kind of goes, oh, well, we're going to hospital. Everything's, everything will be okay. We'll be looked after. And if things aren't okay, then we'll still be looked after. So there's not that... And it's free, you know. Yeah. It's free to have yeah. your baby in the public health system. So there's not really a lot of motivation to, um, yeah, make sure that you're going to have the most natural experience you, you can have and come through being as well as you possibly can be with your baby. Mm. Yeah, you really have to, you know, work hard to... I'm just going right back to visualising that experience when you're looking at the cord and, you know, the, that psychedelic feeling. Mm. And you have to work hard for that now. <laughs> even, mm. out of, even if you decided to home birth, which, you know, again, is a whole different system um, or this or that you really have to I just think of you know the moment you're pregnant you can just download about five apps and then you've got all this information flowing into you already that's instant mm. that may not be productive in 
um, generating in- intuition in your pregnancy or birth. It's no. of, it's again monitoring its numbers and figures and timings of this and what this should be yeah. at this point, and you're you're already just involved in a whole different outlook. On yeah, it's very intellect. It's very intellectual and yeah. and. Um, uh, a very intellectual experience and then the other part of it is you know the whole pregnancy becomes revolves around your appointments to see your GP or your hospital appointments or whatever maybe you know you're accessing some other things that are really beneficial as well but it kind of becomes a predominant um, influence in your birth and yeah so it kind of almost takes enough energy to do all that and then you don't have any left over to actually get down and do the real business of just very simple getting into your body and, you know, relaxing your mind and um, really understanding about how birth actually happens and what that's going to feel like and how you might feel during it and how you might feel like after afterwards and how you need to take care of yourself afterwards. You know, there's not a lot of information around about that sort of stuff. Mm, exactly right yeah 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 so yeah i don't i don't have a lot of anger towards the system i just figure it's something that has just evolved because it's a system and you know they just sort of tend to have their own um agenda and including trying to become very efficient and look like everything's based on well-informed science and you know and i'm sure that they're motives are, are, are pure in that they really, you know, figure they want to take the best care of people and particularly the people that work within the system. But um, as systems go, it doesn't really take individuals much into account. Yeah, it's a collective consciousness isn't yeah, it, that's been created. We, yeah, we can't yeah. really blame one single entity or no. person or system. or Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it, that... I suppose, in a sense, the work that you're channeling and doing, if you did get into that anger and resentment, then, you know, it would just, it would be turned into some sort of like, um, what do you call it, in a, like a positive feedback loop or something. Because then again, if you're feeling into that, um, then it would be pushing your work out in a different sense too, and the people that you serve. Um, if that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and I, I still, you know, like I spend a lot of time, I'm pretty simple-minded. I mean, I'm not stupid, but I, I don't tend to complicate things for myself and I try to simplify stuff that I think other people would find complicated so that they're receiving it as simple information and, and in that way it kind of breaks down the mystery and the divide between, you know, this is what the professionals know and this is what you know. <laughs> Yeah. As a as the person who's actually doing this really important thing, just mm-hmm. to really kind of keep breaking down those hierarchies and um, yeah, just humanise the whole birth thing because it really is something that, even though it's really kind of this really intense body process, it isn't a medic- medical event, but it sure as hell does need medical support sometimes. But it somehow just kind of gets drawn into the whole medical world and, and, and treated as such, unfortunately. But it's actually a really kind of normal body function and mm. it's something that everybody should know about, you know. Mm. So my great desire is to just keep spreading information that just completely helps people feel like, you know, they can learn a whole bunch of stuff themselves and support themselves through the whole process instead of getting really angry and resentful at all the people that didn't support them and what didn't happen Mm. to just kind of inform themselves really well and make the best of their experience I kind of people get quite people involved in the world of birth get quite sort of upset over the fact that the the mainstream medical system doesn't incorporate um, aspects of this other body-oriented, mind-oriented kind of paradigm, but I just see them as, you know, they can just be parallel streams and we can just tap into each other along the way and and that's okay because the other is just too big an ideal, you know, it's just almost almost impossible. And I think really the, the, the bridgings between those two paradigms are about communication and coming down to very 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 simple things like you know if everybody that works in the system could come back to very 
um, uh, kind of respectful communication and touch with the women that they're working with, like very, very easy to do, but very, very easy to not do because of the way the trainings are presented. And if people within the alternative paradigm could just kind of realise that there's a lot of really amazing people working within the system who are just doing the best they can to support them if they need to come into that, you know, then it would kind of make the whole thing a bit easier. But, of course, there are a lot of prejudices and people that just don't actually have their minds open to those two paradigms being able to coexist peacefully with each other. It's either one or the other. It can be very black and white for a lot of people. Yeah, so, left and yeah. right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, left, yeah. Far right. Yeah. Where's that yeah, middle you're trying right. to reach for it? But, yeah, and I think that's yeah. been a lot of my work is about that middle ground and really exploring all of that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I like that sort of ideal of those two parallels running together and just tapping in and out, in and out, in and out. Mm. And, mm. I feel with this podcast, I really set that intent to share stories, to create a transition. Um, and just have that intermixing with each other and through stories, you know, that power of a story, that when you listen to someone's story, it, you sort of lift, listen with a different sense, I think, and mm. you interpret that a bit differently. And I think it's a really powerful thing to just share that, share that journey and then see where the person's coming from in that sense. And Yes. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate just spending that hour with you and especially hearing your story too. really shaped, like I've read, read your book and I've watched The Big Stretch and I just feel like I've got a bit closer to you now. And <laughs> mm. yeah, so thank you so much for taking part and sharing You're your You're very dreams. welcome. I, uh, there's so much more I could talk about. I know, me too. <laughs> yeah. Do, do, we can yeah, because I'm, te- I'm teaching in Laos now once okay, a year. yeah. Yeah, so which is a really lovely project and it's kind of the middle ground stuff too between um, what the midwives and birth workers, health workers over there don't get in terms of, you know, ongoing support and training it's a middle ground between that and the ideals that the World Health Organization has to to what should be happening and how how things should be and what's put in place and yeah, so it's very exciting. I'm taking a team of um, friends who are mid midwifery educators and um, childbirth educators and maternal and child health people. Yeah, right, over so. and it'll be hopefully be an ongoing thing. We did a, a five day. Um, training in January and we're going back in December. So, yeah, that's um, been exciting. So, uh, student midwives, would you take... No, at the moment we're yeah. just a team of, of friends who know each other's stuff, so we know yeah. exactly what it is that we're presenting and how that goes. But yeah. as things move along, if it, if it becomes bigger, um, then there will be, yeah there will be opportunities for other people to jump on board for sure. And how how did you, like, pick – how did it all happen? Just Was it a conversation well, or <laughs> – Well, um, uh, Warren and I were living in Laos for six months in 2005 and we just fell in love with the place and we've been back and forth a bit since then. And um, I also sought out – I have a real interest in the state of um, traditional birth attendance in the, in the world because they're very marginalised and with the whole impl- implementation of – of the medical model globally, you know, they're really, they're an endangered species, basically. Um, So I had sought out traditional birth attendants because I really wanted to kind of understand how things were for them over there because they're actually really valued. Uh, There's a lot of, there are a lot of inaccessible areas in Laos where, and a lot of ethnic minorities people who just are not going to come into clinics or hospitals so they're they're highly valued in terms of you know being an important um, part of the community to to serve the people and the women particularly so yeah I I kind of got involved so made friends with people uh, Lao people who were project coordinators for various projects and eventually got invited to come over so 
that's how that's happened. But I, wherever I've travelled, I've sought out um, traditional birth attendants to archive their experiences and not what they do, but just their stories, as you're talking about. You know, the stories are just really human stories and really beautiful for people to to be able to hear about. So that was that ended up being my third film, the, yeah, a world the World of Birth, of birth Workers. Workers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So anyway, um, I I love um, Lao, and yeah, it, it'll be a bit of an ongoing thing. I'm once again not being super ambitious about it, but I know that it's something that I'm going to continue to do for a little while. Thank you so much, Jenny. I really appreciate Thanks, it. Thanks, I'd love to talk to you again sometime. And Yeah, you'd be welcome to. Yeah. I'm more than happy. Did you connect with this episode? Then head over to our website, circleofbirth.com. There you'll find show notes, pictures, resources, and potentially connect with today's storyteller. Don't forget to sign up to be updated with new empowering episodes and content. Help the show grow by contributing a tip in the jar to make sure we can continue to better the podcast and connect more and more to the wisdom and birth and each other. Hey, and don't forget the iTunes rating. This has been another episode of the Birth Share Project. We breathe, we birth, we empower. Thank you.